are seated, if you'll go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter number six. And for the moment, we're going to read verse number one. The book of Isaiah, chapter six, verse number one. I want to continue a little bit what we were talking about on Thursday, but in a different direction as we deal with the presence of God. And I believe there's something for all of us here in this message today. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. It reads simply like this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Someone say, I saw the Lord. Sitting on a throne, he says, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. I want you to notice that phrase that I had you repeat there. I saw the Lord. I want to minister for a few moments with the help of the Lord from a simple subject that we've entitled, What Happens When You See the Lord? What happens when you see the Lord? It's no secret that the world around us is full of people who are searching. Unfortunately, the majority of people don't even know what they're looking for. But we, as the people of God, we know what we're looking for. We are in search of Jesus. Everything we do is so that we can see him. We come to God's house. Hopefully not just to simply be here to say that you were here, but I believe we come here to see Jesus. Every time you open up your Bible and you read the pages of that Bible and the stories that are there and the principles outlined in those chapters, we do that so that we can see him. We are in search of him and we want to see him. Is there anybody in this place that wants to see him today? We're in search of his manifest presence in our midst. We want to see his glory. Why? Because his glory changes us into his likeness. When we start to see Jesus, we see his power and his presence manifested in our life. We don't just want to see him here in our church services, but I want to encounter him on a daily basis. Did you know that this glory and this presence and this atmosphere that we feel here today is available to you every single day? Please don't misunderstand me. This is a beautiful place and something powerful happens when you unite with other people to lift up the name of Jesus. But this presence is not just for here. This glory is not just for here. We don't come just to see him here and go on our merry little way. We come to see him here so that we can see him later and see him tomorrow and see him in every aspect of our lives. We're in search for Jesus. Truly, we want to see Jesus because having a vision of him reduces us and prepares us for even greater service. And that's what we want to talk about here today. I want to spend some time looking at that. In Isaiah chapter 6, King Uzziah had reigned 
for 52 years over God's people. His reign was characterized, if you study closely this passage and the history of the kings of Israel, you'll know that for 52 years, there were years of prosperity and blessing for God's people. King Uzziah was victorious in war and very successful in industry. He helped God's people to launch out into different endeavors. Pretty much God's blessing was upon God's people as King Uzziah was their king. But then a day comes because everything has to end. He dies and his son at the age of 25 takes over the throne. And while he assumes the responsibility of kingship over God's people, if you read this passage, you'll see that the sounds and clouds of war were approaching from the north and threatening to find its way into Judah. The people were in mourning and were not in condition to fight. And so the prophet understanding the state of God's people, they had just come out of an era of blessing. They just come out of a time of prosperity and now their beloved king had passed and so there was sadness and the people were in mourning and the enemy is approaching and so the prophet Isaiah is now writing facing some anxious days ahead. You can read it in the passage. You see the turmoil of God's people and the anxiety of the prophet because he knows that it's not time for battle. It's time for mourning. And like any wise individual would, Isaiah takes his anxious thoughts and guess where he goes? He goes to God's house. What do you do when the enemy is approaching and you feel like you're not ready to fight? What do you do when you're surprised by a problem or a difficulty that all of a sudden catches you off guard and you think to yourself, I'm not in condition right now to fight. I'm not physically able to fight. I'm not emotionally at the right place to resist the enemy that's coming my way. And so as Isaiah sees the state of God's people and so he goes directly to the house of God. Can I tell you there's no better place to go when you don't know what to do than to come to the house of the Lord. Sometimes you gotta drag yourself. Sometimes you gotta get here 5, 10, 15 minutes late if you have to. You just gotta get to God's house because in God's house is God's presence. It wasn't the building that Isaiah was looking for. It wasn't the tabernacle that he was trying to approach. It was the God that resided there. So Isaiah, filled with anxiety and fear for God's people, goes into the sanctuary. And in the midst of an ordinary moment, on an ordinary day, Isaiah saw what we can see. When we come into the presence of God. Because can I tell you once again. There's nothing like the presence of God. 
And that is what Isaiah desired more than anything else. And can I tell you, here in this church, that is our ultimate desire. We want God's presence. We want God's presence here. We want God's presence in us. We want God's presence to go before us. We want God's presence in everything we do. We do not want to go through the motions. We don't want an activity in this church that doesn't have the presence of God. We don't want a gathering of any kind in this church where you can't feel the presence of God. And so Isaiah sees something that I believe can minister to all of us today. So what did he see? And what difference does it make in your and my life today? I want to share with you four things that happened. Four things that Isaiah saw when he got into the presence of the Lord. The first thing that happened when Isaiah got into God's presence and when he saw the Lord, number one, Isaiah was refocused. He saw the Lord. Verse one, once again, the, the first part, Isaiah six and one, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. There is an interesting revelation in this verse. If the throne of Israel had not been empty, Isaiah would not have seen the throne of heaven. Because in 52 years of prosperity, we never see that Isaiah saw the Lord. And isn't that like us? I mean, you got a good job. The money's rolling in. You even get unexpected checks in the mail. You get too much deposited in your bank account and you're like, hey, what's going on? The bank's all, it's, it's our mistake, just keep it. When the boss says, you know what, you're not, you're not up for a, a raise, but we're going to go ahead and give you one. I mean, everything is just going just right. Everybody is healthy. Everybody's well. Life is just going its merry little way. And unfortunately, some of the, in some of those moments, we don't stop to seek the Lord. We're too busy enjoying the blessings. And so as long as Uzziah was on the throne, nobody could see the Lord. They were too busy looking at their new cars, waiting for the newest iPhone to come out. Well, no, they didn't have iPhones then. They were enjoying life. Why? Because life was good. But then all of a sudden the goodness rolls away. How many of you know that just as easy as those blessings come, they go? Just as great as that job was introduced to you, it was taken away. Just as strong as you feel in one moment, you feel the total opposite the next day. Does that ever happen to anybody in this room? And all of a sudden, the throne is empty. But Isaiah looks a little bit higher. And he gets a vantage point now to the throne of Almighty God. Can I tell you, our losses, our sorrows, our pains and disappointments have an earthly mission. And that is to reveal to us the Lord on high. The highest mission and outcome of all of our delays, detours and disappointments is to lead us face to face with Jesus 
Well, why did this happen to me, Pastor? Why did 2022 bring this into my life? I can hear to tell you it's so that you could see Jesus. It's so that you could encounter Jesus. It's so that you could draw closer to Jesus because there was something blocking your view of the throne of heaven. When King Uzziah dies, the king of glory becomes visible. And for many of us in this room, we haven't been able to see God because there's something in the way. And then you wonder why that relationship didn't work out. It's because that relationship was in the way. Why did that friendship materialize? I thought that person was going to be with me to the very end. But, but God said it's because they were in the way. I had such a good job and I'd put my years in and I'd been consistent. And I, in my opinion, I was a very good employee. I made this company a lot of money and then they let me go just like that. What was going on? It was probably in the way. Why did I lose this? Why did I lose that? Why did this happen to me? There's a great possibility that it was in the way. And so God in his grace, God in his mercy allows things to be moved so that you and I could see him in all his glory and all his power. We're not to run into depression. We're not to run in anxiety. We're to run to see him, his glory and his power because his presence makes the difference what am I trying to say the message to all of us in all of our pain and confusion is to seek the Lord so we can see him everything's going good we don't want to seek him when everything is clicking just right we don't need church we don't need the people of God. We don't even know where our Bible is. I didn't even know I had the pastor's number. Let me just tell you something that happens to me all the time. People come up to me and say, Pastor, I don't think I have your number. Can you give me your number? And I give it to them, and they press click, and then my name and number comes out. <laughs> oh, I didn't know I had it. Yeah, because you didn't need it yet. But it magically appears on people's phones when they need it. And that's okay, because I'll be here when you need me. We ain't going anywhere. You need me, you call me. I'll pray with you, I'll encourage you, because I know what happens when things get moved out of the way. Isaiah couldn't see God and all of a sudden his friend uh, take, is off the throne. All of a sudden the king of prosperity is no longer there and so Isaiah sees the Lord. What does he see? First, he sees the Lord exalted. When you see him, when God and his grace and his sovereignty moves what's obstructing your view from him out of the way, you will see Jesus exalted. 
Isaiah says he's sitting upon a throne. This speaks of Jesus as king. He sees him high and lifted up. This speaks of his majesty. You want to know what that means? This means that Jesus is exalted and reigns over everything that touches your and my life today. When I see Jesus, I remember all. He's the king of all the earth. The heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. He's in charge of everything. He's the owner of everything. He's in complete control. You see him exalted. And I've come to tell somebody, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, Jesus is still exalted. He is still king. He's still over everything. He still has control. And so I forget that he's sitting on the throne. We think that things are happening by chance and that Washington's in control of everything. Nah, -uh. he's in control. Why is this happening? Jesus is sitting on the throne. Well, I'm going through all of this. Don't worry. He's exalted. He's on the throne. That means that everything's going to be all right. That means that God has you. He has your family right where he wants them. And so when Isaiah sees the Lord, he sees him exalted. He sees him ruling. He sees him reigning. When you see Jesus, not only do you see him exalted, but we also see the Lord worshiped. Look at verse number two with me, Isaiah 6 and 2. It says, above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. Now six wings here is very interesting. Why would it be six wings? I mean, don't, I mean two wings would be sufficient. But six wings speaks of the speed that they were able to move. In other words, there was willingness and readiness to do the will of God. These angels were quick to move and it shows that they were ready to do the will of God. Can I just sow this into your heart right now? There is no better way to worship God than by doing his will. Oh, you missed that. That, that was a good one. That was good right there. I'll tell you it again. There's no better way to worship God than by doing his will. We think this is worship. Wow, look at that brother. He's a good worshiper. I can't worship like that. That's an aspect of worship. But there's more to worship than just waving your hands. You worship when you do the will of God. When I live holy, that's worship to him. When I say yes to his will, that's worship to him. When I serve my fellow man, that's worship to him. When I serve in his sanctuary, that's worship to him. When I bow my knee in prayer, that's worship. Why? I'm doing the will of God. You want to be a great worshiper? Then do his will. You want to be a great worshiper? Then obey his word. Because there's no greater, no higher display of worship than doing the will of God. My God, I wish somebody would get that. That's a great revelation about worship. I want to do his will. I want to live for him. That's worship. 
because when the shout is over there's decisions you gotta make when church is ended there's a way that you ought to walk when the music stops there is obedience that needs to happen doing the will of God is worth Six wings, willingness, readiness to do the will of God. And the Bible says also that with the wings, they covered their faces and their feet. This speaks of their reverence for God. When they came into his presence, there was reverence. Let me ask you a question. How do we respond when we come into God's presence? The angels that are in his presence bow. And unfortunately, we come into his presence very haphazardly. We come into his presence so anxious to leave. But these angels, they covered their face. They covered their feet. And they flew around the throne, reverencing the presence of God. The most appropriate way to come into God's presence and, and worship him is with reverence. Understanding that he's a great God. That he's an awesome God. That he's a mighty God. That he's a perfect God and allows imperfect people to be in his presence. I tell you, if you got called to go before the president of the United States, you wouldn't just walk in there. There's a way you got to approach a president or a leader of a nation. How much more our heavenly God that when we come to his house, when we come into his presence, we approach him in awe. We approach him with reverence because he's worshipped. You see, when you see Jesus, not only do you see him as worshipped, and not only do you see him as exalted, but you see him as holy. Verses 3 and 4 of Isaiah 6. Look at what it says. These are the angels. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. Not only should God's holiness produce a sense of awe in us. It should cause some movement and change in our life. When these angels got into the presence of the Lord, they reverenced the Lord. They reverenced his holiness because he's a holy God, which means he's a perfect God, that there's no blame or fault in him. And that should leave us in a sense of awe. But not only that, when you come into his presence and you see his holiness, it should cause some movement and change in our lives. True, lasting change happens when we see him in all of his glory. The Bible says that the posts of the door were shaken. They were moved. In other words, something moved when God's holiness showed up. Something was shaken. What does that mean? That when I go into God's presence, when I see his holiness, I'll be willing to make some moves in my life. 
something will move. Something will be altered. All of a sudden I realize, you know what? That's not a great attitude to have. You know what? That doesn't honor God when I do that. You know what? That's not a pure way to live. Because God's holiness creates movement. I've seen it when God's presence and his glory shows up. Some will break down and some will worship and some will get uncomfortable. Where does the discomfort come from? Not many times, not because they don't know what to do, but because when God's holiness shows up, there's movement. All of a sudden, what I did last night is not right. What I thought about this morning is not pleasing to God because and, and, holiness requires that I make some changes, that I make some movements, that I make some adjustments. But it's my prayer today that we would go into God's presence and we would be people of God's presence to the point where we say, you know what? I'll make whatever adjustments I've got to make. I'll allow God to change the areas of my life that need to be changed. I want to please God. I want to be right before God. Because that's where lasting change happens. I'm not talking about some superficial change. I'm talking about real, genuine, lasting change. It's the kind of change that happens inside of you when you realize you know, no one's else around, but I still want to please God. The pastor's not here to see what I'm doing, but that's okay. I still want to honor God in, whatever, in every way that I live. Why? Because something shifted in me when I got into his presence. All of a sudden, I realized I don't need those things anymore. I don't want to do those things anymore. I don't want to hang around those kind of people. I don't want to live that way. What happened? I don't know. I just, I started going to God's house and I started praying and reading my Bible and, and movements start to happen and changes. Are there any witnesses in the building that true lasting change came when you stepped into the presence of God? Let me hurry. Isaiah was refocused. The second thing that happened when he saw the Lord was Isaiah was reduced. In other words, he saw himself. What happens when we experience the manifest presence of the Lord? What we're talking about already. We see ourselves. And how many of you know that's the hardest thing to do? What do you mean, pastor? Confront yourself. Man, we are so good at confronting everybody else, aren't we? We put these subliminal messages on social media. Because what we're really trying to do is to con we're trying to confront somebody. But we won't do it face to face, so we'll put a subliminal message out there. And everybody's like, who in the world are they talking about? Are they, they must be having problems. We're so good at confronting people and finding faults in everybody. Everybody should treat me right. Well, how do you treat everybody else? Nobody smiled at me at church. When was the last time you smiled at somebody else? No one invites me to lunch. When was the last time you invited someone to lunch? The Bible says a man that has friends must show himself friendly. Uh oh, that wasn't in the notes, but let, let's, forgive me, forgive me. I, Trying to be nice on the first Sunday of the year. But you see, we love to confront other people, but the hardest thing is to confront ourselves. 
to look myself in the mirror and say, not everything is all right. And you want to know what? That's okay. Because every single one of us has areas of our life that can improve. And if you don't see them, it's because you haven't confronted yourself yet. But take a good look at yourself and you'll say, you know what? There's, my attitude could be better. I, I could sure treat people better. I, I could be more loving. I, I could be more consistent. I, I could be more spiritual. And so that's what happens when you see the Lord. That's why people don't want to see the Lord. They'll hide and they'll stay away because when you see him, you see yourself. Oh, God, let me get back to the Bible because somebody's getting a little uncomfortable right now. Isaiah 6 and 5, watch this. Isaiah, he said, so I said, after he saw the Lord, woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. That phrase there, woe is me, means to be filled with overwhelming conviction of my own unworthiness. You see, when you come into God's presence, you realize he's really the only one that matters. He is the only one that is worthy. Seeing Jesus and being in his presence help us to, helps us to have the proper perspective of ourselves. I start realizing I don't have it all together. I really am not totally healed like I thought I was. There's still some hearts that I haven't dealt with. There's still some areas of my life that can mature and can grow. That happens when you see his glory. I'm telling somebody today, specifically this church, to go ahead and go into God's presence so that we can be healed, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can mature, so that we can grow, so that we can become more and more like him. Because I don't know about you, I'm not there yet. Some folks act like they are, but, but this preacher's not there yet. And so when I get into his presence, I realize my unworthiness. I realize that there's areas that I lack. And so that gives me a new prayer list. That gives me a new spiritual focus. I'm trying to conquer all these other things when there's still areas of my own life I haven't conquered. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost. You've been asking yourself this first week of the year, how come I can't seem to go to the next level? How come I can't seem to achieve and reach those areas? It's because there's areas of your own life that you haven't conquered. And you can't conquer spiritual territory in God's kingdom until you conquer areas of your life. I'm helping somebody because this, this helps. There's so many people that year after year are frustrated. Well, why can't I grow? And why can't I mature? And why can't I, re why is so-and-so accomplishing it? And why is so-and-so reaching? And here I am still here. There's areas of you that you've got to conquer. Areas of my life, there's fears, there's issues, there's unforgiveness, there's bitterness, there's hurt. There's areas that I haven't healed from. And until I conquer those areas, I can't conquer other areas. Oh, I'm trying to help somebody. So what does that mean, preacher? When I get into his presence, I realize I need him. That without him, I am un. Done. That's what Isaiah said. Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm unfinished. I'm unsuccessful. 
I tell you, you will succeed in 2023 if you include Jesus in your plans. Because when the prophet goes in, he says, by myself, I'm undone. I'm unfinished. I'm unsuccessful. But with you, Lord, I know I can do it. Why? I have everything and I can do anything. It's not that what Paul says in Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'll be blessed. I'll be successful. I'll be prosperous if I include Jesus in what I'm trying to do. Seeing Jesus will humble you and will cause you to see yourself for who you really are. You begin to take inventory of your life and you realize there's some things that are missing. So for some, it's just better to not go into his presence. Because outside of his presence, I got it all together. I got answers for you and everybody. Fix your life and what's wrong with you, I'm good outside of God's presence. But I get into God's presence, all of a sudden, I don't worry about anybody else. I don't have time to get in their business because I'm trying to fix my own business. I don't have to talk about their marriage because I got to fix my marriage. I don't have to talk about fixing their kids. I got to worry about my own kids. I don't have to worry to pick at their spiritual life. I got to worry about my own spiritual life. So stay in the presence of God this year get a linear focus and say I'm taking my eyes off of people I'm closing my ears to others opinions and I'm putting my eyes on Jesus because in 2023 I want to see him is there anybody in this building that wants to see the Lord high and lifted up so you see Isaiah refocused you see Isaiah reduced Number three, when you see the Lord, when Isaiah saw the Lord, he saw Isaiah. Isaiah was then rebuilt. In other words, he cleansed himself. Look at verse number six of Isaiah six with me. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. What is the process of true lasting change? First, there's fire. Someone say fire. God sends the fire to convict us. So Isaiah's standing there. He sees the Lord. He sees himself for who he really is. And then one of the angels flies to him, takes a live coal from off the altar. The fire of God comes to bring conviction and ultimately change to Isaiah's life. But where does that fire come from? The Bible says it comes from the altar. Why? What does that mean? That true change can only come from the altar. Scripture shows time and time again, specifically through the entire Old Testament, that the fire always falls on the altar. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost to fall upon our lives. But the only way that's going to happen is when we get to the altar. It starts here, but it doesn't end here. We invite people at the end of every message in this church to come to this altar. Not because it's a finality. On the contrary, it's the beginning. 
If there's issues in your life, you begin here to repent. You begin here to seek the Lord. You begin here to feel a touch of his presence. And then you go home and you begin to build your own altar. And then you realize, I don't have to wait to Sunday to feel his presence. His fire will fall on the altar that I make at home. I don't have to wait till Thursday to hear from heaven. I'll build an altar here at home. And the fire will fall. And God will speak. And God will move. We need in 2023 to find our place at this altar. To then go and build our own altar. A place where we can find God consistently. We need to find him. Not just when we're here. Yes, you start here. But this should cause you to want to go home and continue the experience that you had here. That when we tell you open your Bibles here, that's the beginning of your journey. Not the only time you open the word. But that you go back and say, I wonder what the rest of chapter 6 says of Isaiah. That was an encouraging message. I wonder what chapter 5 has to say. And then maybe I wonder what 6 did. So let me read chapter 7. And all of a sudden, you start devouring the word of God. Because what starts here can't end here. And then you start reading God's word and the fire is falling on your life. And then you come to God's house and guess what happens? God confirms to you what he's been telling you all week. I need the fire to fall. Someone say that with me. I need the fire to fall. Because the fire cleanses us. The fire consumes us. And the fire changes us. Not only do you need the fire, and do you get fire from seeing him, but you also see forgiveness. Look at verse number 7, Isaiah 6. Isaiah says the angel with the, the coal from off the altar says, and he touched my mouth with it. And said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away. What happened? Isaiah's awareness of guilt is taken away. The condemnation that he was possibly carrying is removed. The past record of his sin is clear and no longer against him. This is why the Lord touched him to remove whatever obstacle that stood between Isaiah and the Lord. There were things in Isaiah's life that God had to remove. And can I tell you, in 2023, there are things in our lives that we need God to remove. There's things that I brought into 2023 that I just can't carry through the rest of the year. There's battles that I lost in 2022 that I've got to win in 2023. And so I need God to touch my life once again. I need a touch of his presence so that he can remove the things that are blocking me from seeing him and remove every obstacle that stands between us and the Lord. And so he comes. And he touches his lips and says, your iniquity is taken away. Can I tell you, in God's presence, there's forgiveness. 
I'm here to tell somebody in this room today, you don't have to carry that sin anymore. You don't have to carry that issue in your life anymore. There's a God in this room that when he touches you, he purges you, he cleanses you, he takes away the sin from your life. All you have to do is allow yourself to be touched by his presence. That thing that you can't seem to control. That thing that's always overpowering you and driving your decisions and causing you to mess up. Jesus has the power to wash it away, to remove it, to forgive it. But you've got to come into his presence. And thirdly, there's freedom. The last part of verse number 7 of Isaiah 6. The Lord tells Isaiah, and your sin is purged. Iniquity taken away means to have a clear conscience, to have no guilt, and to be right standing with God. But your sin purged, it means much, much more. Having your sin purged means that it's removed. It's no longer around. It's gone for good. Powers have been broken by a greater power. Can I tell you today, there's a promise for somebody. God has the power and legal authority to remove every besetting sin in your life. But you have to see him. When you see him, you realize he has power to forgive, but he also has power to set me free. If I see the Lord, then my sin is purged. When I see the Lord, then my addiction to alcohol is taken away. When I see the Lord, then drug addiction is taken away. When I see the Lord, that grip of lust and immorality, that grip that it's had on my life is taken away. My my evil thoughts are taken away. My anger and my bitterness is taken away. My distance from God and dryness in my spirit is gone. When I get into his presence, he takes it away. Wouldn't you like that addiction to be taken away? Wouldn't you like that pain to be taken away? Wouldn't you like that regret to be taken away? There's power when you come into his presence. Look at somebody real quick and tell him he can take it away. The presence of God, the blood of Jesus has the power to take away whatever you're facing today. The world says, once an addict, always an addict. But God says, taken away. God says, purged. And when God says gone, it's gone. When God says free, my Bible says you are free indeed. This freedom, this liberty, this cleansing is available to you when you come into God's presence and you see him. 
How many witnesses do we have in the building that when you came into his presence and you saw Jesus for who he really was, you didn't want to go back to alcohol. You didn't want to go back to drugs. You didn't want to go back to violence. You didn't want to go back to that lifestyle. Why? When you saw him, he set you free. See, musicians would come, I'm finishing. But you got to see him. And that's why it's not enough just to come to church. You got to see him. That's not, it's not enough to say, well, I'm here, preacher, you know. That's a great message. That's wonderful. But come and see him because when you see him, he'll set you free. When you see him, he'll break the chains of bondage over your life. When you see him, He'll set you free from whatever has held you hostage. You don't need those pills anymore when you see him. I'm talking to somebody. That was the Holy Ghost right there. Because I just saw a bottle of pills in the Holy Ghost. You can break that addiction to pills when you see him. You don't have to be sleeping around anymore when you see him. He'll set you free. He'll fulfill every desire of your heart. But you got to come into his presence. And you got to see him. And so you'll, you'll experience fire. You'll experience forgiveness. And you'll experience freedom. And as I close, number four, the last one. Not only was Isaiah reconstructed. Not only was he reduced. Not only did he get refocused. But the fourth thing happened. Isaiah was recommissioned. He surrendered himself. Look at verse number 8 with me of Isaiah 6. He says, also, I heard the voice of the Lord. You see, Isaiah thought his ministry was over. When the glory of God and the holiness of God, the manifest presence of God, showed up in Isaiah's life unexpectedly. He saw everything that was wrong with him. He saw everything that he lacked. And he said, woe is me. I'm unworthy. I'm undone. God cleanses him. God purifies him, takes away his iniquity, purges his sin. But in his humanity, he's standing there going, man, I messed up. How could God use me? And the Bible says that the Lord spoke to him. That he heard the voice of the Lord. We don't know the last time that Isaiah had specifically heard the voice of the Lord in his personal life. Again, it was a time of prosperity. It was a time of blessing. They were too busy conquering and enjoying the blessings to hear God's voice. Here he is feeling unworthy, feeling undone. Like one version says, he felt like a dead man with nothing to offer, no life in him. And the voice of the Lord comes to him when he thought that his ministry was over. When he thought he could never change. When he thought that he was too far from God. 
I've sinned too much. Isaiah must have, be, must have been thinking. I drifted too far away. I, I don't think God can use me anymore. I, I can't hear God's voice. My time has already passed. He hears the voice of the Lord. And the Lord speaks again to Isaiah, letting him know that God wasn't done with him yet. But the Lord was recommissioning him. The Lord was sending him out again. I'm talking to somebody here today. God's not done with you. But pastor, you don't know what I did. You don't know. God's not finished with you yet. His voice has come to speak to you again and tell you, I'm sending you to your world. I'm sending you to your job. I'm sending you to your family. I'm sending you to somebody to speak the word of the Lord. God wants to recommission somebody today. 2023 is going to be the year of recommissioning for you. But my time has passed already, preacher. My family has too many issues and I have too many struggles. God is visiting you again to recommission you, to tell you I'm not done. I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a calling for your life. I've got something that I want to do in your life. Does somebody want to be recommissioned in this hour? Does somebody want to be sent back and say, Lord, send me, use me, give me words. I'm going to pray for somebody. I'm going to reach my family. I'm going to reach my loved ones. God wants to commission you. This is encouraging to me because God never gave up on Isaiah. You know what that tells me? That he hasn't given up on you. It's powerful to know that God had something for Isaiah to do. And can I tell you, God has something for you to do. It's wonderful to know that whoever you are and wherever you are, God has it in his mind to recommission you for his glorious purpose. So Isaiah realized, God wants to use me again. My purpose is not over. My calling is not done. There's still work for me to do. And so when he understood this, look at his response in verse number eight, the last part. He says, then I said, here am I. Send me. In 2023, as I close, it's time to surrender yourself to his purpose. It's time to quit fighting the will of God and fighting the purpose of God. But preacher, I got, I got plans and I got moves that I need to make. I, there's some things that I'm trying to build and there's some things that I'm trying to do. I understand that. And all that's good and fine in its proper place. But first, you got to surrender yourself to his purpose. Surrender yourself to his will and say, Lord, here I am. You do in my life what you want me to do. You take me where you want me to go. You do in me what you want to accomplish I remember what it was like fighting the purpose of God I remember what it was like trying to build my own thing and do my own thing and go my own way because I thought I knew where I was going I thought I knew what I was going to do I thought I had it all figured out but I remember the moment came when I said I'm tired of fighting because did you know it gets exhausting fighting the will of God you try to make yourself happy over here but that's not where God has you 
you try to prove to yourself and to others that this is really the right thing for me. And it gets exhausting. And ultimately, you just end up giving up. Can I tell you, it's better to surrender yourself to the purpose of God. I remember that moment like if it was yesterday. I finally said, God, I'm done. I'm done fighting. I'm done trying to do my own thing. I'm done trying to go my own way. I'm tired of making, trying to make my own things happen. Lord, I surrender to your will. I surrender to your purpose. I know I think I have my own purpose, but Lord, I surrender to your purpose. I surrender to your plan. Can I tell you, there is absolutely zero regret in my life because I surrendered to his purpose. I wouldn't be here today if I didn't surrender to his purpose. I wouldn't be your pastor today if I didn't surrender to his purpose. God wouldn't have blessed me with a beautiful wife and children if I would have never surrendered to his purpose. Can I tell you, his purpose is way better than whatever I had planned I'm talking to somebody God wants to recommission you God wants to repurpose you God wants to redirect you but you've got to say here I am Lord send me stand with me today it's time to surrender it's time to put aside your desires your dreams and your goals and surrender to his will for your life. When you see the Lord, you'll be refocused. You'll be reduced. You'll be rebuilt. And you'll be recommissioned. Seeing the Lord will change your life. And I believe with all of my heart, there are people in this room that are dying for change. The Lord showed me that years ago. Now we did we did a series of I think like eight messages about seven years ago in this church. When I got that revelation in time of prayer, the Lord showed me people are dying for change. They don't want to live the way that they're living. They want a better life. And that's changed the way that I preach. That changed that's changed the way that I live. That's changed the way that I minister to people because I realize that people are dying for change. There are people in this room today. You need change in your life. Maybe it's changed the direction of your life. Maybe it's changed the way you've been living. Changed the way you've been thinking. Changed the people that have been speaking into your life and surrounding you that are leading you away from the things of God. Because not everybody in your life is meant to be there. Well, the Lord must have brought him. Yeah, the Lord can bring some, but he also gives you discernment. You start realizing that voice is leading me away from the things of God. I don't need that voice in my life. That voice is leading me away from church, leading me away from commitment. I don't need that voice in my life. I need to make some changes. And there's no better way than to come into God's presence because God's presence produces lasting change. A change that's not going to go a week or two or a month or two, but true lasting change. Where God plucks out those desires that you have for those things. He changes you completely and totally. How do you know that preacher? Because he did it in my life. And he did it in so many lives of the people that are here today. It happens in his presence. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord and then everything changed. It's my prayer today that you see the Lord.
It's my prayer that you see Jesus for who he really is. And you allow him to touch you with his presence. You allow him to make you uncomfortable. There's nothing wrong with being uncomfortable. Nothing wrong with looking at your life and saying, you know what? There's some areas that I need to grow. All of us do. You're not the only one. All of us in this room need to improve in areas of our lives in 2023. All of us can be more mature and more spiritual. But the ones that will accomplish it, the ones that will get there, are the ones that will see the Lord and allow God to work in their life. So my question for you today is, do you want to see him? Do you really want to see him? Are you really ready for him to come in and make the alterations and changes and adjustment and moves in your life that you need him to make? Because I promise you, you won't regret it. I promise you, you'll look back and go, man, I, I thought I'd had, I had to live with that. I thought I was going to be like that for the rest of my life. I thought that's what everybody did. And you realize, no, God's changing you. God's making you new. God's changing your life. He's setting you free. He's giving you a new purpose. Surrender. Would you lift up your hands all over this sanctuary, wherever you are in this building? Those that are watching online as well, would you lift up your hands? Would you lift up your voices to heaven with me? Come on from the front to the back, from the side to the side. Lift up that voice. God, this is the year that I see you. This is the year, God, that I see you in all of your glory. I see you in all of your power. I see you in all of your might. Come on. There are areas of my life that need to change. There's areas of my life that need to get better. I need to refocus. I need God to reduce me. There's too much of me and not enough of him in my life. I need him to rebuild me and reconstruct me and recommission me. I've lost my sense of purpose. I've lost my sense of direction. Jesus, change me. I'll make whatever adjustments I got to make. I'll move whatever I got to move, but I can't live this way anymore. I need to see you in all of your glory and all of your power.